the Department of Education, which is really ironic when you consider now that we're now working in higher education as a seminary. So you can see right from the beginning, God was speaking. We just didn't know. Carol was working for the Department of Labor and Industry. Um, and instead of being in full-time ministry, we thought we'd be in full-time ministry. And instead, God put us in, and uh, he really put us in school. We just didn't know it. We were, we were working, getting an education, and getting prepared for the things that God is leading us into now. Uh, and so it's amazing. Uh, I can tell you, I struggled against it uh, in my mind, in my heart. Because it's like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't the reason. This Because we didn't know what all those prophecies meant. And, of course, all of us do that. God gives you a word, gives you a promise, and you start interpreting it in your own head, in your own understanding as to what you think that means. And, I mean, from the very beginning, God's like, no, that's, that's not why I sent you to Harrisburg. You're not here to pastor a church. You're here to, and that was one of the prophetic words that we received. Those of you who have seen that video, uh, when hands were officially laid upon us and we were sent out by our home church. Remember one of those words was that you will pastor pastors. Uh, and so we just didn't know. <laughs> Here we are pastoring pastors and leading leaders and instructing instructors and teaching teachers. And we, we just didn't know what he meant by the things that he said. And so for a long time, I struggled in my heart. Uh, because it just didn't seem like uh, what God's promises were going to come true, at least as far as what I thought his promises meant. And I'm sharing that because in our, in our word of encouragement for you today, our emphasis today is going to be talking about coming into agreement with God, getting a real understanding of what God means by what he says, getting a real understanding of what the word of God means by what has been written. We live in a world where an awful lot of what the Word of God says has been misinterpreted or assumed. Uh, or assumed, yeah. Things have been taken out of context when it comes to the Bible. And that is so normal, uh, you know, the way it's done because uh, uh, where pastors take one sentence uh, out of a scripture and uh, and apply 21st century definitions to English words, not understanding that those words were written in a completely different language, culture. in a completely different culture, at a completely different time in the world. So you have to go back and find out what those writers meant talking to those people at that time so that you can understand what God is saying to us today. When you just attach 21st century meanings to biblical to, to the biblical text without understanding the context or the culture or the time, the era and the season and the history, the background, then you get a lot of what we have today. And that is, you know, our world is in turmoil, uh, social, ethnic, cultural unrest all over the planet. Many people are rejecting Christianity and rejecting uh, the Bible. And that is because for literally decades, uh, for decades, uh, uh, popular ministers and ministries have come forth with a message and, uh, and meanings that well, that's not what the scripture meant. 
we've turned the word of God to a, I sometimes call it a Harry Potter spell book where you just quote these things and say these magical phrases and all these things are supposed to happen. <laughs> and that's not the word of God. Um, we don't have a proper understanding of faith. Uh, and because of that, there are literally millions of people that are sitting uh, well, we're, because of COVID-19, we're not able to sit in a lot of buildings right now. But, but for years and years, people have sat in sanctuaries and buildings and assemblies, and they thought that they were actually uh, saved. They thought that they were born again. And, and uh, because somebody told them that all we have to do is sprinkle some water on you when you were an infant. And when we baptized you or put some water on your head, then that made you a Christian. And so they find themselves struggling their entire life trying to live something that they never really made a personal commitment to, that don't even have the power to. Uh, there have been people who have simply adopted Christianity as just a religious belief. It is a belief system. It's a social club. It's a, it's a social rights uh, movement. It's, it's attached to civil rights. It's attached to uh, gay rights. It's attached to uh, women's rights. It's, I mean, the Bible gets attached and put on all kinds of things. And you have to go back to uh, what God meant by what he had written by human beings. Because you can actually take any, any book, not just the Bible, you can take any book and use it to uh, to further your agenda, to push what you believe or what you want to uh, accomplish. And take the, it out of context. And the Bible is no different. People can you use the Bible to push their agenda, what they believe they want to do, uh, what they feel even called to do. Uh, one of the things that's happening today, as I mentioned, is a lot of people are rejecting the Bible right now because they said it's not true, this stuff doesn't work, or because the Bible was used as a white supremacy text. So therefore, should no black people at all have anything to do with, with the Bible? But again, you don't know the history, you don't understand the context, you don't know the purpose uh, for the Bible. So you say, well, since the Bible was used in that way, then you need to reject it. Well, if you follow that line of thought, then just because water hoses were used against people in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, during civil rights marches, does it mean that we shouldn't use water? That we shouldn't use water hoses because of the way it was used? Uh, electricity is used to uh, is, is used to execute people uh, sitting in an electric chair, and there have been many people who have been falsely accused and and, and wrongly and uh, wrongly executed by way of electricity. Well, does that mean we should stop using electricity because it was wrongfully used? You get my point, don't you? So just because people take the Bible and wrongfully use it doesn't mean you throw away the Bible. What you do is you change with the people who are wrongfully using that tool. That's what it is. And so when something is used wrongly, then you have to go back and deal with those who uh, they're, they're wrongfully using the tool. Uh, and that's where we are today. So we want to get into the word today. We want to, uh, uh, so here we want to just to share this word with you, a uh, word of encouragement. As, you, as everyone knows, we have been talking about uh, recognizing the voice and the will of God. And this has got to be one of the 
most important messages or themes that you'll ever, that really that you'll ever uh, talk about or deal with in your life. It's, to us, it's gotta be at the t top of the list of the most important things that every believer uh, should, really should and must know uh, how to do. And that's uh, how to know when God is talking to me. Uh, if you're not sure of when God's talking to you, let me get back to my screen again. Uh, when you're not sure that God is talking to you, you can really get in all kinds of trouble. In confusion. Amen. Uh, I mean, I don't know of anything else that's more important than knowing when God is talking to you. Um, there are a lot of lessons and messages that are out there right now messages to tell people about how to make more money, how to be more prosperous, uh, you know, and I'm not putting any of those messages and sermons down. Um, but what we have learned is if you don't know when God's talking to you, then you don't even know if one of those messages is of God or not. You don't okay. know if one of those people that's preaching certain things, if it's really scriptural or not. And, and I'm sure that you found out in your walk with the Lord that if something is not from him, it's not of him, God is not going to honor it. He, <laughs> just because you quote a scripture does not mean it's going to come to pass. Uh, because God knows the reason why he had that scripture written. Just because you said it and you spoke it, doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. I'll give you an example. You probably heard me say this many times before. Um, in fact, we just recently shared this with our with our oldest son, Christopher, and his wife, Tony. We're dealing with uh, the understanding that people have about the hundredfold blessing. Anybody ever heard about the hundredfold blessing? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there have been preachers who have taught, if you give, you know, certain amount of money, then God's going to give you uh, 30, 60, 100 fold return for what you give. But yeah. the Bible does not say that. That's something that man came up with. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about the 100 fold blessing in two contexts, talking about the, the seeds that are sown uh, in a person's heart. And so I'll start with that one. When you, you find the, the use of 30, 60, 100 fold return, talking about the word of God. Jesus gives the parable of the sower of the person who sold seeds. Remember that parable? Some seed falls on ground, some falls on thorns and thistles, some seed, the birds of the air come and pluck it up. And then he, then he says, but the seed that finds good ground has a return of 30, 60, and 100 fold. So there's 30, 60, and 100 fold return on the word of God finding good soil to be planted. So people took that and said, that's the same way it works with money. <laughs> then you should be able to plant a seed of money and get 30, 60, 100 fold. See, that's what I mean. When I talk about that ain't, don't take the words God, word of God and turn it into something else. That's not what he was talking about. He was redressing specifically how the word of God is sown into our hearts and what it produces. Right. So he wasn't talking about money. Nowhere will you find in scripture 
where planting money will give you a 30, 60, 100 fold return. And then in the context, the other place where he uses it, where he talks about 36 to 100 folks, when he talks about the, the person who's willing to forsake all, for the person who's willing to leave uh, family, uh, you know, possessions and give up everything for the Lord, he says, for that person, there's a 30, 60, 100 fold return plus persecution. <laughs> I hear you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what's, the, what's the point? He says, for the person that's willing to abandon all, there's 36 and 100 fold return for everything that you gave up. So again, it's not what money you give. It was for the person who's willing to give up everything, there's 36 and 100 fold return. Isn't that amazing when you actually hear what the scripture says? Now, just think about all the millions of people who've been giving money, trying to get a 30, 60, 100 fold return because somebody on TV told them that right. it was going to happen. And now here we are. Look at what's going on in our world today. People are sick, COVID-19 and all the other diseases. Don't, you know, don't, you know, we got more than COVID-19 happening. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people are sick, they've impoverished, they don't, you know, millions of jobs have been lost. Uh, and, uh, you know, domestic violence is skyrocketing, suicides are skyrocketing, mental illness and stress is just, just going crazy. And people who have been told yeah. things that if you just do this, if you just do that, then God's gonna do this and God's gonna do that. And now that it's not happening, now they're saying, God and the Bible and all that stuff is a lie. It's not true. And that is, it's not that the Bible is a lie. Of course it's not. It's not that the Bible is untrue or that God is, is fake. It's just that what we were told was the lie. Context. That's what was wrong. And so because of that, then we live in a time now where it's necessary for people like us to come along and say, okay, we need to go back to square one and let's talk about how do I recognize the voice and will of God? And so what we did was uh, we, we took you through some scriptures, but before we get into that, let's just pray this prayer. It'll come up on the screen and, and uh, Pastor Carol and I will read it and uh, you can read along. I know your phones are muted or your, or, or your computer is muted. But that's okay. Still say it along. You don't have to unmute yourself, but just say it along with us as we pray this prayer, as we get this, get into this word today. It goes like this. Lord, I pray that the word today, in good soil, I reject the thoughts of offense, where the light of this exposes my Do not take I do offense. I will change and turn you, my heavenly father. So we're all we're trying to hear we're trying to hear you and, and keep going. <laughs> I reject condemnation. Your word says Jesus did not come to condemn people. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. Satan. I reject accusation. 
Satan is the accuser of brothers, and this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies. He refuses to believe and receive the truth. God says in his word, Blessed are my eyes for hear. For many prophets and righteous men desired to see what I did not see, and to hear what I hear, not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart, that I might not sin again or miss the word of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity that you've given us once again to share in your word, to really to uh, hear from you in this very moment, Chris and Carol, decrease, that you would increase. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that as your people are hearing this word, that a fresh illumination and revelation and impartation would be made in every heart and in every home, that we really will come away from this with a new confidence that we know that we've heard from you, that we know we're walking in agreement with you, that we know we're walking in obedience to you, that we know that we are pleasing to you because we're walking in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, how do we recognize, and this is the key, how do we recognize when uh, God is really speaking to us? One of the very important words for us for today. I'll give the screen back up again. All right. We were talking about, though, just as a way of a quick review, we were talking about how uh, really walking in spiritual maturity, what it really means to, to have spiritual maturity. And we gave it this little equation that said endurance and wisdom equals spiritual maturity. So that uh, as we're going through things in this life and we have the wisdom of God, that's really what brings about spiritual maturity. So as we all know, um, the word of God clearly says that tribulation works patience and <laughs> <laughs> so there are just certain things that are just going to come. They, they don't come by God just zapping us and suddenly you are mature or you have patience. No, <laughs> there is a process that we go through. Uh, we are, our text has been come from James, the first chapter. And I want to read it. He's, uh, James said, uh, from starting at verse two, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result or let it, let it bring you to a place of completion. So let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect or mature and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. And then it goes into what seems like a completely different 
topic, it's almost like he changes the subject, but he's not because he's talking about what it takes to get through going all the way back to the beginning. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. And so now connect that with verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom while you're going through this trial, <laughs> if any of you lacks wisdom to guide them through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevol benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame and it would be it will be given to him. What will be given to him? This is again one of those verses of scriptures that has been taken out of context. What will be given to him? Go back to the beginning of verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, <laughs> if you lack wisdom, ask, and it will be given to him. Thank you, Lord. And then verse six. But he must ask for wisdom in faith, without doubting, without doubting who? Without doubting God. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or even decides. So the question that came up is, well, then how do we navigate this trial that we're going through? And so we talked about what it really means to have faith because that was the key to that passage. And so we, did, we took a quick look and have been walking through what faith really is about. Faith is not just telling God what you want and then believing with all of your might and all of your strength that he's going to do it, that he's going to answer my prayer. Unfortunately, that's what faith has been taught as. But faith is not us believing real hard until God does what we ask of him. Faith always involves three key elements. The first one we talked about was insight from God. Faith always begins with God speaks to us first. He tells us what he wants. He tells us what his desire is. He tells us what his purpose is and plan is for our life. It doesn't start with us telling God. Again, why, why, why do we keep uh, uh, jumping on that? You know, why do we keep, keep going back to saying faith isn't just uh, us telling God what we want and then believing real hard until he does it. Because, because so many of us have been told that that's what faith is. When prayers aren't answered the way that we thought that they should be answered, when things don't come about the way that we thought it was gonna happen, sometimes we think that we don't have any faith or somebody will tell us that we don't have faith. When actually it's just that we didn't understand what God's plan was in that all along. We didn't really hear what he said, or we didn't guess, get the meaning of what he said. Or some of us have never even been told that we were supposed to start off with, what does God want? <laughs> right from the beginning, it always begins with, Lord, what is your plan? Remember when you were growing up and people would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
Remember when everybody would used to ask you that? We all do it to this day. We ask little children, you know, three, four, five years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. But did anybody ever stop and ask you, what does the Lord want you to be when you grow up? <laughs> you know why it's important to make that distinction? Because that's what faith is. Faith starts off with, what does God want? What does he want you to be when you grow up? Because unless you make that distinction for a child, what we inadvertently do, and I've done it, we've done it ourselves, what you do is you plant the seed right from the beginning that you determine for yourself what you want to do with your life. And then we tell them, all you got to do now is pray and ask God to help you to be what you want to be. And we've started them on the wrong path of understanding of faith right from the beginning, from the very beginning of their life. We're making them think that it's all about you tell God what you want, and then you pray and ask God to make that happen. When actually we should teach our children right from the beginning, ask God what he wants to do with your life. You ask him what he wants you to be when you grow up. And then mommy and daddy, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncle, we're going to join in with you with whatever it is uh, that and believe God for what he wants to do with your life. You start, boy, that had happened to all of us when we were little kids. Imagine how differently our minds and our thinking and our lives would have been as we were going through elementary school and high school, and even when you're getting bullied and talked about and all of that, and trying to figure out what am I supposed to do and all of that, if that seed had been planted in us when we was two and three and four and five years old, just think about it, before you even went to kindergarten, if, you, if, if in our thinking it had been, I wonder what God wants me to be when I grow up, rather than me trying to determine it for myself. Can you imagine the millions of dollars that people have spent on education and training. And as we've seen this happen to a lot of people. It may have even happened to you. After I got my certificate, after I got my degree, then I discovered this ain't even <laughs> what this I'm supposed to do. to do. This isn't even it. Oh my goodness. So that's why this is so important. And that's why you keep hearing us uh, go back to making this point over and over again because it's an absolutely key and essential point for us uh, to understand. I want to just pause for a moment and I see a lot of nodding heads. It seems to be resonating with a lot of people. Anybody want to make a comment or just say something where we are right now with what we're sharing? Go ahead, go ahead and hit your unmute button. There you go. It's just the learning of, of truth and rightly dividing the word of truth. And so many of us, like you said, we've been raised up on false word and lies. And, and it is proper to know how, yeah. because that's when we're going to follow God's leading. We're going to hear God's voice more clearly and do his will instead of what we've been told and how we think it ought to go and how we think it ought to be. And I've always, I've, I've coming, um, as I got older or wiser, um, coming into the real knowledge of God's truth, 
you realize that a lot of things that you were told was not true. Yeah. But you can only go with what you know until you know better. Then when you know better and you try to give it to someone else, they're so comfortable in where they are, they're like, uh, yeah, well, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going on because the word, we, we want the word to pick a word out, like you said, and fit it where we want it to fit in our lives. And then we feel good about serving God. No, no. You got to do it God's way. Or I tell them, leave God alone and go bust hell wide open. Go in style. Go in class. Why not? Because that's where you're headed if you don't know the truth. Yeah, and if you're not following God's word in his context of his will. Yes. Sound like you were about to say something, Mom? No, I was just uh, listening to Pastor Matt Marilyn. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end is death. That's right. So it's very. That's why they're falling away from the church. Yes, that's a big reason. Yes. And and that's why this topic is so important. So that's that's why we were taking the time, you know, to really look at what what faith really is insight from god then agreement with god and then obedience to god and having that understanding first of all with insight from god that's what we've been talking about the last uh two sundays that we've gotten together what do we mean when we say insight from god and that brings up important question how do i know when god is speaking to me when i do ask and pray how do i know what what i'm hearing or what i'm receiving uh, sometimes it's a dream. Somebody comes and gives me a word of encouragement uh, or whatever. How do I know that it's God speaking to me? And you'll know it's God. Well, number one, you'll know it's true if it complies with to the and, and to the word of God. That's It's got to be in compliance with the word of God. Uh, and what we mean by in compliance, that means that Either, either it, the principles of the word of God, it agrees with the principles, the actual teaching and meaning of the word, or sometimes you have, you can read it word for word from the scripture. It, it's, it's word for word. So uh, you, that's how you'll know that it's actually from God. Then number the next way you'll know is that it's God. It always have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit or the peace of God will be present. When God is speaking to you, his spirit is there. His, his, his peace is on it. God doesn't speak in rush, 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 you know, and trying to, and making you anxious and, and all that kind of stuff. Make God, a decision you know, now. You know, no, it's um, no, it's not that kind. It's well, not a press. Only time there's a press from the Holy Spirit is when, the, with the, if it's an urgent situation, like, like get out of the house now. Right. Stop your car now. Yes. Take this different right, route now. But for the most part, it's, it's the inner witness of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God will be present when a word comes to us. And even when teaching comes, I've heard um, my mom, when she's hearing preaching coming across the pulpit, and if, if, the, if the pastor, the minister, the evangelist, the speaker, whoever it was, if they said something that really wasn't in agreement with the, with the spirit, with, with the word of God, then she said in her spirit, the spirit of God said, no, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not me. Uh, because she had read the word of God for herself, she knew she she would know that somebody was 
taking scripture out of context or when they there's a difference between when somebody maybe misquotes the scripture you know they said it by wrong they said it wrong by accident i get that that happens that i've done that myself i've misquoted right. scripture, but but it was a mistake i wasn't i wasn't teaching out of context. I just may have misquoted right. a scripture. So I'm not saying anytime a pastor or a leader misquotes a scripture, oh my God, they're false. Oh my God. No, no, because everybody makes a mistake. <laughs> when somebody teaches something that's out of context or out of agreement with the Holy Spirit, the inner witness of the Spirit will be right there and he'll say, no, that's that's, that, right. that's not me. That that Or that's not what that passage means. Very important. So now you can see the reason why it's so important that you read the Bible for yourself. And it's right. so important that you not do, not only read the Bible, but begin to study the Bible. Um, with all the day software and books that are available, there are, there, there are, and even with some Bible uh, 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 versions, they have definitions of words right there. Uh, on the page so you can look up the words and see what they mean and get the uh, the true meaning of those scriptures. That's part of the reason why there are some uh, versions of the Bible that will even display on the screen for you. One of them is the Amplified Bible and we like using that one because it actually puts the definition of those words in parentheses so that you can see what some of those words actually mean. Uh, and then another way that you'll know that God is speaking to you is that over a period of time the places, uh, the people, the places, and the things, the circumstances will eventually begin to conform to his word and to his will. Uh, those are kind of things where, it, yeah, sometimes it just takes time before you see things come to pass. And right. and, uh, and so you just have to wait. Uh, anybody ever had that? Like, I'm not sure if this is really God, so I just have to wait. You know, somebody said, God told me to tell you. God told me to tell you. I said, well, I'll just put it on the shelf and we'll wait and see. <laughs> Does that mean I'm not in faith? No, that means that I'm trying to live according to the word of God. I'm looking for the inner spirit. I'm, I need to go back and look that up, what they told me, to see if what they're sharing with me if that's a principle in the word of God, somebody walks up to me and says, the Lord told me to tell you that when you get home, you are to walk around your house seven times and then shout like they did in, in Jericho. And so, okay, I, I know that that scripture is there. I know that that's what the Lord told them to do, but Lord, is this what you telling me to do? Is this direction that's coming from you? See what I mean? That's what we mean. And you're not being skeptical and critical of people. You're just saying, I will not be led by the whims and the words and the advice of others. It always has to be for me. I got to go back and find that in scripture and I got to have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit on it. And when I'm still not sure, then I, I, I have, I'll wait. I'll wait for a period of time to see if the people, the places, the things, the circumstances conform to the will of God. And then I will surrender to that. I'll surrender to what God reveals or makes known to me. You know, there are sometimes people that, and we've had this to happen to us, people felt bad for what Carol and I were going through and they would give us a word of encouragement and tell us God's gonna change this circumstance in 30 days. In 30 days, this is all gonna change. <laughs> and 
know, 30 days, things was worse than it was. Realizes that sometimes people out of their out of their sympathy for you, they feeling bad for you, and they they're tired of watching you suffer. So, <laughs> and they mean well. They're not trying to do. They mean well, but it's it's still not God because it could. God is requiring of yes. you. He could be requiring that you completely walk through this circumstance and this situation because there's something on the other side of it that uh, yeah. you needed to go in order for you to fully get the revelation of what he was trying to bring into your life. Um, right. uh, I'm so glad when God wouldn't allow us to skip steps. Any, anybody say that? Yes. I'm so glad. I wanted God to relieve it. I yeah. wanted God to stop it. I wanted him to change it. But now when I look back, I'm so glad that he didn't. What many of you don't know, part of our story, when we got here and uh, the Lord gave us those wonderful jobs with the state, we, we was really not happy about that because we thought we was going to be in Harrisburg and be in full-time ministry. And so one of the elders of our church called me while I was at work. I was still new on the job, working for the state of Pennsylvania. And he said, the Lord just told me to tell you that you're going to be on this job for at least five years. I was like, no! <laughs> no, I didn't come to Harrisburg to work for the Department of Education. No! And so he thought he was giving me an encouraging word. He thought by sharing that with me, that would, I would have the assurance that God is going to take care of us and that I could have the assurance that I, you know, I'm going to be on this job a long time and you don't have to worry about losing your job. But he didn't know that on my side, I was thinking, no, I don't want to be on this. <laughs> it's going to be at least five years. <laughs> Not only was it five, I was on that job for nine and a half years. <laughs> And it was not what I was looking for. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Because sometimes when God gives you a word, it may not be what you want to hear. It may not be what you want to do. But you know it's God. What he spoke, you know, uh, it complied with the principles of the word of God. I could go in scriptures and see where God had required of men and women to be at places and to do things that they didn't necessarily want to do and they didn't necessarily want to be. Uh, when we read the story of <laughs> but it was all part of this process. Just think about it. I was with the Department of Education for nine and a half years and today Carol and I are professors in a Christian seminary and college with an understanding of how, how higher education works because God put me where he where I needed to be and I'm right. so glad. Do you imagine how, I would have said no when they asked us to do it. Like, I don't know anything about education. I don't know anything about uh, a college, a seminary. I don't know what to tell educators. I wouldn't know, but see, needed to go through the process. So there are certain things God like you you gotta go, you gotta be willing to go through it. 
We gave you a number of scriptures, and I won't walk through all of those. They're just appearing on the screen that are very, real helpful for you to, to, uh, to how you can understand. understand how you know God is speaking to you. Uh, and if you don't look at those scriptures, you can always go back and watch the previous teachings on the other Sundays that we've done this or listen to them. Um, the other thing that we, when we came to talking about the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, another way of thinking about that is that inward certainty, the peace of God. When you talk about the peace of God, the Bible refers to the peace of God as being sort of like the umpire, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and minds. Well, that word, yeah. word is sort of like what we have in sports today. Let it be the referee. Let it be the umpire. Yeah. Uh, you know, in sports, then you got those referees, those guys in the, uh, those men and women that got on the black and white stripes. <laughs> and they're the ones who tell you whether something is fair or foul, if it's good or bad, and here's the penalty, or here's the, you know, you scored or whatever it is. Well, that's how the peace of God is. So that whatever's coming into your life, he's the one that says, that's good. Or says, nope, foul. Nope, don't, don't allow that. Don't receive that. Or this is me. I know you don't want to hear this, but this is me. And those are the times that is really challenging for us to agree to agree with God when he tells us something that we don't want to hear. And you know his peace is there, you know the certainty is there, and the only thing that's in rebellion against it is our flesh. No. <laughs> I don't want to do that. How many times have you uh, maybe been driving down the street and God was telling you to do something or go somewhere, and you were arguing with God. Anybody ever argued with God in your car, driving down the street? Um, maybe people looking at you, wondering, are they in their car talking to themselves? Like, no, I'm having a conversation with God right now. <laughs> because that peace of God, that assurance is there. And so aren't you glad the times that you went on and said, yes, Lord, okay, I'll do it. That's why that's so important. Thank you, Lord. I want to just put the info, go back to that part where I talk about over a period of time, the circumstances and, um, uh, you know, and everything will eventually conform to the will of God. Mom, you didn't even know this. I was going to go through this scripture today. But that's one of the ways that you know that it's God speaking to you because Romans 8 chapter, verses 26 through 28, it reads like this. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's why that's so important that we are not telling God what to do, how to do, and all that stuff. This scripture right here helps us to know why this is so important for we do not know what we should pray for as we are okay. but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god and we know now, now, it's so important that I read those two scriptures before I read this third one, because again, this one of those ones where we jump straight to this scripture. But you got to read those other two before it. And now comes the scripture that we're familiar with, which says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, 
to those who are the called according to his purpose. So of course, there have, obviously there have been certain situations where things didn't work together for our good. And so again, people are questioning, well, why didn't it work? Why didn't it work for my good? Well, now you gotta go back up to the, to the, to the scriptures up above. We do not know what we should pray for as we are. So we gotta pray in the spirit who makes intercession for us because the spirit of God knows the mind of God. Your spirit of God knows what God is trying to accomplish. And so he's trying to get us out of the habit of telling God what we want and telling God how to do stuff and when to do it. We grew up when some of us were, we didn't even realize how much we were taught to do this. Uh, uh, and they weren't trying to be evil or anything. But when you do things like, God, uh, go over to the hospital, Lord, and touch so-and-so, and go over to, so you're telling God what to do. We don't tell God. <laughs> Why is Pastor Chris doing it? I'm not attacking our elders and our, and our forefathers who did these things. They, they, only, they could only do what they knew but they didn't know that they were teaching the next generation in it, you know, by default, this is how to pray. You tell God what to do. And then we expect him to do it. When actually the scripture says, no, no, we don't know what we should pray for as we are. Amen. We don't know. So we have to always consult the spirit of God because he's the one who's making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What does that mean? The spirit of God within us, those of us who are born again and have the spirit of God residing within us, he's the one who's making intercession or praying for us according to the will of God. So that's why you and I could be praying something that we want, but the spirit of God inside of us is saying, no, I'm trying to accomplish the, the will of God in your life, not just what you want. And the part of the reason why there's such hit and miss, because sometimes we are praying and we are praying in agreement with God and then things work together the way that all things work together for our good. But it's hit and miss because we don't know when we're in agreement with God or not. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not, because we're just simply going by what we understand prayer to be. So now you can, now when you read that scripture, from now on, Always think in terms of when you hear, we know all things work together for good. I want you to, from now on, go back to verse 26 and 27 and say, Lord, am I praying the way I should be? Am I praying in accordance to your will? Because that's what I want. Because when I have that assurance that I'm praying according to your will, then I know that all things will work together for my good. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome to know? Now I know it's gonna to work together for my good. And even when I mess up and I don't do, and I'm not making all of the right decisions and things and, and, and I'm operating out of ignorance, God, I still know that you're gonna make it all work together for my good. But the reason why you don't want to live in that realm of, and that's, that's the mediocrity world that some believers live in, where I don't really want to get in all the scriptures and all, and I don't want to be all that deep. 
I just want God. I just want you to pay my bills. I just want my rent paid, my house paid, my insurance paid, my car paid. I want food on the table. That's all I want. I don't want all that other stuff. Well, if you live that way, then a whole lot of what God is trying to accomplish with you won't get accomplished because that's self-centered living. That's everything's focused on me and my needs, my desires, uh, my wants, and all of that. And kingdom mentality is not that. God says you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what these things, my bills, my rent. Uh, I say, I'll take care of all that, but I need you focused on the kingdom, the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of that. Because when you do that, I throw in all that other stuff. All that's taken care of. You don't live your life just to get the bills paid and just to get your needs met. No, you're living for a higher purpose. And God will cause all things to work together for your good because I'm living for a purpose that's bigger than me, greater than me. Thank you, Lord. As mom was just saying with her neighbors, blasting music all day. So God, God centered her back on, okay, Mary, here, here's why I got you there. <laughs> because if she had been focused on herself, that's how the Holy Spirit took her out of herself. That's what she was sharing with us. He took me behind myself and, okay, Lord, I can deal with this because you're going to make all things work together for good because this isn't just about me being annoyed all day long listening to loud music. There's something else that you're working. And I submit myself to that. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Thank you, Lord. And so also faith involves being in agreement with God. And I've used that phrase a lot today, but here's what it means when we talk about being in agreement with God. It means to be in harmony, like a symphony. Uh, as you guys know, my wife and I, we sing, we sing together, and often we are harmonizing. And so that's what we're talking about when you say being in agreement with God and being in agreement with his word, being in harmony, just like a symphony. All those instruments that are playing, but they're all playing in the same key. Uh, and when there's a key change, the notes change and you got to be willing to change when there's a key change. I don't know how many of you have sung in a choir or played music in a band. And you know that if, if there's a key change, you can't keep singing the same notes. Why am I saying this? Because then you're not going to be in harmony and it's going to sound horrible. Well, what's been happening for many years here in Harrisburg and cities and counties and all across America, God's been, God's made a key change. Hear me, God's made a key change. And there are people who are still singing the same notes that they did back in the 90s. Amen. Back in the last decade, from 2000 to 2010. Yeah, and they're still singing those same notes, but now they're out of tune with where God is. And they're, and, and they're like, and what's, what's really the bad part is they can hear that, that, uh, that, we're, that this doesn't sound right, but what they're doing is they're looking around at everybody else and saying, y'all off key. <laughs> all of y'all are wrong. And we're like, no, we've all changed key. We changed keys with the rest of the symphony with the rest of the choir, with the rest of the band, with the rest of the musicians. We changed because the Holy Spirit, who's the conductor, he changed the key. 
and we all went with him and you still singing your same note because that's what you're used to. That's what you're comfortable with. As Pastor Madeline said, you still stand with what's comfortable to you. But he changed key and went up higher. And you want to stay in the same note, in the same range, and now you're off. And you're thinking everybody else is off. You know, you're the one. Anybody ever sung with anybody in a group or in a choir? And they were off and they're tone deaf and they can't even tell that no, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it means to be in agreement with God. Uh, it, I agree with what God says and I agree with the way things have to be, the way God says it has to be. Sometimes we, we can do what God wants us to do, but we don't want to do it the way he wants to do it. And so when you're in agreement, you, you not only say, okay, God, I'll do what you say. And then comes the next one. I'm going to do it with the right attitude. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Pastor Chris, you you messing up now. Now you're getting all up in everybody's business. <laughs> I'm going to do it the way you said do it. Think about it, all the parents. When you've told your children to do certain things, take out the trash, clean up their room, and they gave you that extra humph, and, 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 and <laughs> see that—that's doing what Mama said, but you ain't that. that, that mm -mm. I clean my room, and then you go and find out that they just threw everything in the closet, or just piled everything underneath the bed. I did what you said. No, you no, you didn't. You didn't do it the way I said do it. Um, and that's what we're talking about, being in agreement with God. And then the last one, agreement, is talking about being in the timing of God. Do it when he says do it. Go when he says go. Do it when he says. If he says now, he means now. If he, God says wait, then he means wait. Uh, and both of those are tough when you're, when you're operating in the flesh. It's hard to move out and do what God says to do now because now you're inconvenienced. Or you may have had plans for that day. Uh, for, and I don't want to do that now. I want to do it when I get around to it. But being in the timing of God, that's what agreement is also about. Uh, it's always about that. Do it when he says do it. Uh, and especially when God says now. Move in God's nows when he says you know, and there'll be things that God will just place in your heart uh, that he'll tell you to do. And it may not make any sense that that happened to us a lot. That's why we share our journey with you. Uh, the time that the Lord told us to go to a prayer meeting. I didn't want to go to no prayer meeting. I didn't feel like going. It was a Friday night. I wanted to just hang out and stay at home. Stay at home. Lord said, go to the prayer meeting. Go tonight. I'll go next week. No, go tonight. Go to tonight's prayer meeting. And couldn't, was restless. And so glad we did because we met the woman who got, who was instrumental in helping us get those jobs that we had with the state. And it all came out of obedience. Uh, many people say, God, I'll do whatever you say. I'll do, Lord, you know, have you prayed those prayers? Lord, I'll obey you. Yes, Lord, whatever you say, Lord. And then he'll give you something <laughs> simple like, well, go to the prayer meeting tonight. Well, well, I had other plans. I wanted to. <laughs> and like, this is where it really meets the road, everybody. Walking in agreement with God. Stay in harmony with him. Do what God says, the way God says it, and in the timing of God. 
That's what it means to actually be in agreement. Without that, you, it's there's really not agreement. Uh, you, we're still just kind of doing what we want to do, the way we want to do it. Uh, and as far as God is concerned, that's you're really in aren't in agreement with me. Now you're just kind of going through the motions. We're being religious. You know, and I'm going again, I'll talk to all the parents. You know how much that irritates you when your children, well, I did what you said. <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> but your heart wasn't right. And you didn't do it when I said do it. You know, that drives us crazy. You know, have the dishes washed by the time I get home. I'll let that one hang in the air for a long time. <laughs> Had the dishes washed by the time I get home. And you get home and the dishes aren't washed. And it's the same thing that we do with the Lord. There are things he tells us, have this done, get this done. And a week goes by and two weeks go by and three weeks go by. And he'll give us that same kind of nudge that our parents do. You know, I, I didn't I tell you. Didn't I tell you? And how many, you can raise your hands. I'm not trying to preach a condemnation message, but just to look back over your life. Think about those times when you did what God said do, and you did it when he said do it. Weren't you so glad? Weren't you so glad? I'm so glad I went yeah. when you told me to. Uh, times you, you, the Lord said, go put in that job application now. And you like, okay, I'll do it. They already said they're not hiring, but okay, I'll do it. And you went and did it because that was the right time. You have no idea what circumstances that happened all that day and your application happened to fall on the right desk at the right moment, even though hundreds of people applied because God said, do it and do it now. And you obeyed him. Thank you, Lord. So this is really, really very special today that, uh, that, the Lord has put this emphasis on what it really means to be in agreement. So you can see why this has been so necessary uh, as we've shared about this, because in this time that we're living now in America, uh, there are a lot of people doing a lot of things, but they aren't necessarily, and they're quoting scripture, but they aren't necessarily really in agreement with God and in agreement with his word. They're not in harmony uh, like a symphony. Uh, they're trying to move out and do things, and, and, uh, and I must say this, even with what's happening concerning uh, our ethnic battles, and I hate using the word racial because there really is only one, one race, race, the human race. So that's why you keep hearing, hearing us use words like ethnic battles and cultural battles and class battles. That's a slave term. Uh, because really. there's really, yeah, there's really only one race. It's the human race. Uh, but we're in these battles. And, but at one point, back in the 50s and 60s, uh, uh, you could point to various scriptures, and that was the direction that God was giving the civil rights leaders as they quoted the word and preached and sung uh, uh, Negro spirituals and hymns while they marched and walked through the streets. And now here we are 60 years later, and I'm watching some pastors and ministers try to do the same thing that worked. 60 Man. years ago, yeah. try to do the same thing now. And that's what I mean by you're not in harmony. You're not in harmony. I'm not saying God's not for justice. And I'm not saying God's not for civil rights. What I'm saying is we got to be in harmony because God's changed keys. God's got us enough sense to know that 
this isn't the 1960s anymore. This is 2020. And we're fighting a different battle at a much higher level. Yes. So we've got to we've got to harmonize just like in a key change at a higher level. The notes that we sung 60 years ago and think we're in agreement with God. So we got to do this God's way and in the timing of God. Chris, are you saying you know all of what that is? No, I'm, uh, all we know is, is this, that we can't try to fight the battle all doing the same thing. I think I mentioned this before, that some of us are called to sitting down and talking with people one-on-one. -on -one. Some people are working behind the scenes and they're sitting down with senators and representatives. They're lobbying. Other people are marching in the streets, but some, they're not, pro, they're not chanting but they're walking, they're going on prayer walk, because that's what God told them to do. He told them, don't go out and march and sing in an aggressive protesting mode. I want you and your church to just go, and I've seen this on some ministries have done this. They just gathered their congregation and just walked around the block and sung songs of worship to the Lord. You said, what does that have to do with justice? Because they understand that we're not fighting against flesh and flesh blood. And blood but against principalities and powers, rulers in the realm of darkness. And so unless you fight at that level also, along with the legislation, along with voting, along with campaigning, along with lobbying, but somebody's got to take on the air attack. Somebody's got to fight in the air. So we've got to learn everybody find your lane get in agreement with yeah. God, your lane, what you're supposed to do. And if somebody's not yeah. fighting the same way as you, don't accuse them. You're a traitor. I'm not fighting. You ain't fighting. You ain't down for the cause. Yeah. I just heard a woman who said uh, one of the things that they're going to do while there's a, the big march that's being prepared next month in, uh, in Washington, D.C., she said, uh, me and a bunch of women like me, this woman happens to have MS, so she said, so there are women who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s. They can't get out. They can't go to D.C. and march. So they said, so they're going to gather in a hotel in New York, and they're going to gather together as their effort, standing together. I forgot all of the activities they're going to be involved with. Some of them are in wheelchairs. They're, they're, they got all kinds of handicaps and, and disabilities. And so... So to accuse them, you ain't down with the cause because you ain't marching in D.C. Look, I'm 70 years old. I got multiple sclerosis. What do you think I'm going to do? So you see what I mean? <laughs> Everyone find your lane. Find the place and find out, get in agreement with where God wants you to be. Even in this ethnic class social war that we're in, where, where does God want us to be? And then as far as the timing of God in our lives, the word of the Lord says for, to everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So stay even with the timing of God. Ask God, Lord, what, what, what season am I in? And how do you want me to move and maneuver with my family, with where I am? The Bible says that uh, Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What does that mean? Jesus came at just the right time. He didn't come while Abraham was still alive. He didn't come during the time of Moses. 
and they were in captivity for 400 years. He didn't come during the time of Jeremiah. He didn't come, you gotta think of it, but in the fullness of time, then God sent forth his son, the son that he had promised Adam some uh, 3,000 years before. God sent his son in the fullness of time. And so we have to understand that with God, there is a fullness of time moment for all of us. There are things that are in our hearts to accomplish. We want to get it done. Why ain't God doing this? Why ain't God doing that? That's setting ourselves up as if though we have an understanding of all things in the whole world. God, omniscient. Well, omniscient. omniscient. You'd have to be all knowing. You'd have, really, you'd have to be all knowing. And all powerful, all powerful aware of everything to know when it was the right time and moment to do a thing. So sometimes we challenge God about why isn't he doing this or that in my life? And we don't know all of the circumstances and all of the situation and all of the people that will be impacted if he does certain things or releases certain things too early in our lives. God is always waiting for that fullness of time moment for you and I. And so what do we mean with being in agreement with God? So that even when it seems like it's taking God too long, or if you've been through moments like us, you know how everyone is, here's again one of the man phrases, God may not come with him when you want him, but he, he'll be right on time. What if on time is after the foreclosure? What if on right. time is after your car gets repossessed? What if on time is after you get fired and you sitting at home and after the unemployment runs out? See, that's why we gotta be careful of those things that we say to people. God may not come when you want him, but he'll be right on time. And they're thinking, okay then, then I'm not gonna lose my house then. Okay then, then my whole car's not gonna be repossessed. Okay then, I'm not gonna lose my job. And then they lose the job. And then they turn around and they're ready to look at you. I thought you told me God was going to be on time. But what God means by on time may not be the same thing as what we mean by on time. That's right. Because God's timing could be, which is what we've been through. We've had two foreclosures. We've lost two vehicles through repossessions. No fault of our own. Both cases because we lost our jobs. So what was on time for us? It was on time was watching God miraculously sustain us through the most difficult situations in that most people have. They've lost their marriages over this. They've lost their kids over stuff like this. Some people have even lost their lives over stuff like this. So what was the fullness of time? Now we're starting to walk in that fullness of time of understanding. Can you imagine? how little compassion Chris and Carol would have for people if we hadn't been through those things, how judgmental we would be of people who are having a hard time of their lives if we hadn't been through those things. So when God talks about the fullness of time, on time could be after everything falls apart and watching him rebuild your life. Because it's not just about what we're going to do in this life. It's about who we're going to be. Who are you going to really be? Who are you really because there are some people who make a great recovery and all of, you know, they'll recover from things like that. But they're so arrogant and they're so boastful Ooh, and so bitter, bitter mean, or mean arrogant. because they went through it. It's like you didn't learn the, you didn't get didn't the point. The you didn't get the point. If you come out of a hard time with arrogance 
or just bitterness and anger, then you didn't get the point. You should come out of it with passion. You should always come out of it with compassion, with empathy and respect for others. But all you've got is, is anger and bitterness. And, bitterness and then you missed the point. You're going to need another fullness of time moment. All right, I better stop. <laughs> and so out of the timing of God, the Psalms 90:12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Lord, help me to be very mindful that I'm only here for a limited amount of time. So I want each and every day to count, each and every day to matter. I don't have time to waste. Thank you, Lord. That's not good for you to live your life as if uh, sometimes real morbid and sad. But, to, but, but, but the point is the psalmist brought up was so I can gain a heart of wisdom. Um, we're in a season and a time now where there are more and more people that Pastor Carol and I are having to tell them, no, we can't do that. Uh, uh, more and more invitations are come for us, coming to us to be in this meeting and join this meeting. And, you know, with all the discussions that are going on about what's going, what's happening in our world. And we've been invited to get in on some of those discussions and talks. And it's like, no, not my, my it's not my lane. So I'm not going to be pulled into, uh, your agenda. In, into their agenda and things that they are right. They have a legitimate fight. They have legitimate concerns, but we're having to say no. Why? So, because God is teaching Chris and Carol to number our days. To number our days. Our focus is on you guys. So we're praying for you. We're interceding for you. We put together in these scriptures and everything because for us, you're our priority. And so if I get, if we get off this priority of being prepared to minister to you this way each week and to your leaders as we pray together on those Wednesday nights and working with the people in the women's shelter and preparing our coaching classes and now we've got all these professors from around the world, we can't get off into other things because the Lord is teaching, should we, teaching us to stay in this place. Lord, teach us to number our days to guard and watch our days and our time so that we don't find ourselves in fights that are not ours, issues that that's not where he has us, what wants us to be. All those things important? Yes, they are. But we're trusting God that he's got the right people to cover those areas. This is again another way that you know that you're walking in faith. You know you're in faith when you get to the point where you can say, God, I know you got somebody else that can handle that. It don't have to be me. Yeah. I don't feel this great obligation to run all over Harrisburg trying to get involved in all of the different marches and all the different issues and all the different problems. Because God, I trust that you got somebody there to cover those areas. You already have somebody that you gave them that wisdom. You gave them that skill set. You gave them that temperament. You gave them that ability to walk into those areas affected and I just trust you that you're gonna do what you're gonna do with them isn't that awesome don't take the burden off everybody take a deep breath <sighs> I don't have to carry all of this all on me God you've got people to cover those areas to cover those issues thank you Lord and I trust you yeah. thank you Lord
even I just feel especially led just even in this moment to pray for all of you, your, your kids, you know, you're wondering what are we going to do when, when it's time to go back to school and trying to figure all of that out. Would you just join me, everybody, for, for all of us concerning the children of the Lord? We know that you've got this covered. Thank you, Lord. All of the parents, I just want to pray for you right now. Your concern for your children and your grandchildren of how we're going to get through this time where education has just been turned upside down. But Lord, we're trusting you. Yes. Right. Thank you, Lord. Because me going down, all of us going marching down to our school district headquarters and demanding this and demanding that, that ain't going to change nothing. You may feel better because you got, emotionally, you got it off your chest. <laughs> but it, it doesn't change anything. So Lord, just you know, kind of just do this. Just kind of uh, put your hands out like, like you're giving your children over to the Lord. Lord, we just give them over to you our children's future, our grandchildren's future. Thank you, Lord. And we trust you that you've got the right people in the right place, in the right time, in the fullness of time. Thank you, Lord. You sending the deliverance for our children, for them to complete their education and get back in school. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God, for wisdom will come into our school district. Yes. I don't know, just name your school district. That wisdom from you will come to yes. our school district. For those of you where you're in a private, you may be in a private school, that wisdom will come. Some of you may, your children may be part of a special education program, an ind individual education program or plan, or that wisdom will come. Yes. Thank you, Lord, from you. Thank you, Lord. We just trust you. Thank you, Lord. Me going down there being angry and screaming and all of that, that won't solve anything. And me laying in the bed at night, tossing and turning two or three o'clock in the morning, worried about our kids' future, that won't change anything. So Lord, we give our children over to you, their future to you. We trust that in the fullness of time, that at just time, thank you, Lord, that you will intervene. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For those of you who are like us and you got sons and you're very much concerned for the safety of your sons with the police brutality and the targeting, would you just join us? We're joining with you in this one because we got two sons here in America that we are definitely concerned about. If they're driving back and forth to work and all of that. I've got one son lives in Canada and he's trying to, he's trying to get his brothers move here. <laughs> But uh, so, Lord, we lift our sons to you, our brothers, our husbands, our fathers, our uncles, our cousins who are male, who are targeted in this season. And we thank you now for your divine protection. Your yes. word says that you will give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. And so, Lord, we trust you to guard and to protect them. We trust you to do it. We'll not be so presumptuous to tell you how to do it, but all we do is submit ourselves to you with trust that you have them guarded and protected. Thank you, Lord. We come into agreement with your word. We release Psalm 91 protection upon our men, upon our brothers, our sons. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord.
It's so much better to just to pray in agreement with God rather than trying to Amen. figure it out and have all the words that you're supposed to say on your own. The Bible says his, his spirit of God, he's within us. There's groanings and other words that we don't even, we don't even have the words to put on all of the things that we are trying to pray, but he does. And that's why even when we're praying, we don't try to impress you guys with flowery words and big phrases that we don't know what to pray. Chris and Carol Green do not know what to pray. So we pray in the spirit and ask God, give us the words that will be in agreement with what you want or what you desire. And how and when we pray in agreement, my Lord, there's an assurance. That's what faith is. Can't you just sense the faith in your heart right now? Because like all I'm doing is praying in agreement. It's not me trying to hold on for something real strong. It's just, not I'm not happen. trying to make it happen. I just, I'm praying in agreement with you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And I'm praying in agreement with life and protection and favor that you promise. Thank you, Lord. And trusting you, trusting you all the way. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Wow, this has really been awesome. Thank you, Lord.